Assassin's Sires. Today I bring you the Ihor Bauman, a brother from another mother, right? He's also a Ukrainian just as I am, currently in the San Francisco area building his startup. Now, the conversation today is absolutely unique because you will hear some strategies you probably haven't heard anywhere else. We're speaking about validating the product idea before you build it and knowing your CAC even before you build a product. It is just amazing. Here's a short clip just to get a small taste of what we're discussing today. It will solve. The main thing, I guess, just you can maybe put this somewhere in the summary of our podcast, is that people are never pay for features. People pay for solutions to their problems. And solution might be combination of the features. So you need to show on mockups how the solution itself to the specific problem you're going to solve will look like. Make sure that you are not solving all problems with your solution. I don't want to spoil the whole conversation, so listen to the whole episode right after this sponsorship segment. This episode is sponsored by the SaaS Insiders Studio. We help SaaS founders build their minimum viable products, MVPs, launch quickly, find a product market fit, and grow from there. SaaS Insider Studio works with non-technical founders that are on the pre-seed or seed stage to help them execute on their product vision. To learn more, go to my LinkedIn profile that you can find in the description to this episode and shoot me a direct message there. All right, let's jump straight into today's episode. SaaS Insiders, welcome to this episode of our show. Today I'm joined by fellow Ukrainian, by the way. His name is Igor Bauman. He's a founder of Worky. And today we're going to be talking about his journey with his company, what Worky is about, and what you can learn, SaaS Insiders, from his amazing journey. With that said, Igor, I welcome you to the show. Oh, hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. For those who might not know you yet, if you could give one or two minute intro of who Igor is, where you're coming from, background-wise, and what mm -hmm. you're working on right now. Yes, yeah, sure. So my background is in finance. I have my master's degree in finance in the National University of Kiev. And I started my career from management consulting. I've been working in PricewaterhouseCoopers for a couple of years, and then I continued my journey in tech. I've been working in product roles, in the project management and business analysis roles for several of clients and companies. And after that, during pandemic, we faced with kind of personal pain and we figure out that there is opportunity on the market. So we decided to step into this big game with like no much, not much sleep and all the challenges as startup. So yeah, this is, I guess, the best way to describe in a couple of sentences. And that challenge you said when you stepped in into the challenge, mm -hmm. it, it was Worky, right? It is the same yes. company. Okay. Yeah. So how long, how long ago was that? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so we started the idea about work in May 2020, so pretty while ago, but we started the actual development of work in the beginning of 2021, in the winter of that time. So yeah, I guess it's 
more than two years already. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay, okay. And for those who haven't checked the work yet, what's uh -huh. the what's the elevator pitch? What's the short short explanation of what work is and who is it for? Yeah. So with Worky, we are focusing on freelancers who already have their customers. We're helping them to build their freelance business, get booked and paid directly without any fees, manage client work management and manage the accounting in, in terms of invoices, accounting reports and taxes. So Worky is this kind of automated workspace for freelancers. That sounds, that sounds really helpful. I remember myself back a few years ago when I was freelancing myself, and, and, I, and I think that would really save me probably with mm -hmm. all those hassles, hiring a lot of a lot of accountants, making sure like connecting yes. Stripe, like all five, like ten, 10 different services to make it work. Yeah, this is kind of this kind of routine that no one can can escape because is is since you're working as individual, no matter full time, part time, whatever, you still have to fill your taxes, to make sure your payments are going directly to you and you are able to figure out the ways how to save on, on like fees, transaction fees, you're able to deliver your work on time. So this kind of routine, no matter are you working on freelance marketplace, are you working directly, it's like same flow for both use cases. So yeah, this is what we do at work. Definitely, especially when you get started. I think a lot of times people find themselves doing like those kind of, you know, mundane tasks instead of doing the actual work. And then you spend yeah, so much time yeah. with those things instead of actually like, you know, driving the revenue, like what brings money to, to the table. Uh, exactly. And this, uh, in most cases, this is an opportunity that you are missing to like make more money, to like deliver more value to your customers. According to research we've made at Worky, freelancers, in most cases, spend up to 10 hours per week and thousands of dollars per month just to manage their business. So this is just a huge missed opportunity that they can just reinvest in their business and just in, in themselves. Got it, got it. As for the business model, I'm curious, is it like some kind mm -hmm. of subscription that people pay monthly to use Worky? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so right now our business model is freemium. So we have our starter plan that is completely free. It works pretty good for us. It allows us to grow 20, 25% months over months in our customers to, with a high activation rates of our product and high retention rates. At the same time, for the most active cohort of our customers, we right now launching working professional plan that will be $29 per month. And with more customization, more automation, and unlimited features for your business. At the same time, we right now working on working teams plan. It's B2B solution for small teams, agencies, and other businesses to help them cover the same pains that the businesses have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Um, Igor, you are not a technical founder. Well, when I say not, we're all some kind of technical, but you're not the one writing code, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's how we could describe the most of our audience at SaaS Insiders. And the question is sometimes, especially when it's their first SaaS rodeo, they might be in business before, but when they're building SaaS, it's a software, right? I always mm -hmm. tell them that SaaS is a business of selling software, not building it. But you still need to build a product. And if it's not yeah. you, then how do you manage that? And the question is more about how do we get to the market? How do we get to the MVP? Because once we mm -hmm. get some traction, some validation, we can raise funds, we can get really serious people on board. When you just get started, maybe you could share a bit more about your story with Worky. 
how yeah. did it all evolve from, hey, we have this problem that we are aware mm -hmm. of to the point of we have a product and we can actually award some people? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so this very, very nice question. And to be honest, I keep hearing this story a lot of times. Uh, I'm also right now a mentor for startup reaction program for Demium. And yeah, so only one thing I'm continu continuously keep saying is try to validate as much as you can before doing something. Because as soon as you start doing some code development or anything, especially when you are not technical, it will be a really deep hole of money that you can spend on this without like clear understanding what your customers want. So it like somehow I knew that before when we started somehow, I guess from other folks in startup industry, or maybe from some knowledge I gained at that moment. So when, when we figure out that there is like this gap for freelancers that uh, on the marketplaces and once you are like ready enough and have customers enough to work directly with your clients without marketplace you have those problems once we figure out that there is kind of potential opportunity to do this we like start talking to potential customers and we spoke maybe to 30 potential clients of worky potential users of worky just to validate do we understand this gap correctly is this like in the way you guys do this do you feel like the same gap do you feel like the same difficulties of running your business please confirm please like share your experience why do you see so what tools you tried so we like once idea came into my mind and after some initial research in, in google during the next two days we ran maybe 30 different customer interviews like just friends, family, friends of friends, like anyone I was able to reach out and to spoke with gave us some understanding, like some details of the problem. So th that was uh, stage number one is, okay, Googling, I'm not counting this. Stage number one was uh, talking to potential users of, of your potential product, right? Then when we got initial confirmation from potential users, we start to, to do slides to put information, kind of summarize the customer's need. And that was stage number second, summarizing and making sure you can clear everything up. And number stage number three, I guess, it's developing the concept. Even if you are not technical, you can still use Figma. And my main suggestion is use Figma. Even if you are not designer, you can like somehow put on Figma mockups of the product. Just do mockups, just try to somehow show how your product will look like and what buttons it will have, what use cases it will show, it will solve. The main thing, I guess, just you can maybe put this somewhere in the summary of our podcast, is that people are never pay for features. People pay for solutions to their problems. And solution might be combination of the features. So you need to show on mockups how the solution itself to the specific problem you're going to solve will look like. Make sure that you are not solving all problems with your solution you can do this especially on early stages find the one problem that is filled by your customers potential customers and try try at least show 
how the solution will work for them. And once you have the mockups, Figma give you an ability to do the prototype based on this. Show this prototype to your customers. Ask them, okay, try to click, try to do some user experience, and you already will have clickable prototype with zero code that you can do 100% by yourself without being technical, without having any design capabilities. It's super easy. And these simple exercises will save you, can save you thousands of hundreds of dollars. Believe me, it's super common. So that was our use case as well. We did the prototype. And after that, I was about to start the development of the product and hiring the team. And yeah, one of my co-founders, I was really lucky to work with him before in other jobs. So I just asked him, okay, can you help us on some initial basis to do some coding job? And we were about to start, but at that point of time, I've been talking very closely to one very close friend of mine from Google. And he was explaining to me a lot of things and he was pushing me, okay, Igor, don't hurry up. Could you please create simple landing page and spend $500 for ads to see how it goes? I was so unsure about this, spending $500 for having no website, for having no code, like why do you need? And at the point of time when you, especially when you are bootstrapping and $500 is kind of almost two times of your monthly rent and just spending this on whatever, just on some random ads for some random results. I was so unsure about this, but his main argument was, okay, please spend this for me. Please spend this and you will get some potential customers and you will sell your product to those customers. Just do this way to validate that you can not only speak about your product to some friends, but you can also, your website and your knowledge that you're going to build will try to engage with the potential audience through ad without zero personal touch. Because, you know, right now I'm talking to you and I can smile, smile, smile to you. I can see your suggestions. I can like see your reaction, right? And based on this, I can also make you to give me the answers that I want. So this is how it works. It's just biological thing. But when, but, but when you see ads in Facebook and Google, you don't see my smile. You don't see other suggestions. You just like act as, as a normal customer. And this is how you can understand if it, if it is just real at all or not. Mm. So we are they buying did this you one. Or are they buying a solution, right? That's in the yeah. solution they're buying. So that was our use case. We created super simple one pager landing page, mm. super simple. And we connected the Google form, Google form with a message. If you aim, get early access, put your email here. Provide us with your email. And we got to the Facebook and we put it 500 bucks from my pocket, from my expenses. <laughs> we put this 500 bucks to Google Ads to see how it works within one week. Um, but yeah, we created a couple of banners, super simple with a couple of messages just to validate what message will work out and what banner like will work out as well. And after one week, we, from $500, we got 199 early adopters with a cost of 2.49 cents, uh, $2.49 per one early customer. 
I clearly remember all the figures. And that was like, and before that, we were understanding that, okay, potentially $10 would be okay. And here we got 2.5 roughly for one user sign up. And it was like, it was strong validation for us. So, and after that, when, once we get, got a kind of first two, two dozens of two hundreds of potential customers, we decided, okay, at least we have some early validators so we can send product as once it's ready, once some MVP is ready. So, and after that point, we started as well. I love it. You know, the more I talk with successful founders, the more I see the pattern that when you build your product, when you build your MVP, it's, it's not like. It's only 30%, 70% is market research, is preparing, getting people excited, and yeah. then you actually build it. So all this work before that, that actually counts. A lot of times founders, when they think about building an MVP, it's like, well, it's you know building, it's actually typing, coding and stuff. Like, and they forget about all of those things that are around MVP. So it's, it's not that much about the, this product in this early stage, but everything around it. How do you position it? How do you market? And hey man, it looks like you got 200, you basically got 200 emails, right? Mm -hmm. On this campaign. Yep. It, it means that as soon as it launched, I guess who's getting access those 200 emails mm -hmm. right away, right? Yes. Yeah. And I love it. I really love it. It also, basically they gave you the, their email without even seeing the product, right? I imagine mm -hmm. when- Yeah, it was just landing product, page that describes, like, yeah. There, there's much more to it when you launch it. So it's, it can get even more, even more conversion. Did you see the conversion go up when you actually released the product with more images, with more ads or mm -hmm. like what was your experience? Yeah, we've been working on the development on the MVP and uh, on the initial landing page, we just put some mock-up uh, designs that we had on the previous stage, the one I mentioned before. And uh, yeah, once we launched the MVP, we like, roll out the product to all those emails and maybe 70 customers actually created their account. So it was like initial traction for us. And yeah, in all our message communications, we asked them, give us some feedback, feedback, feedback. And we launched our MVP in March, 2021. And during a couple of weeks, we got some initial feedback, like dozens, just not dozens, millions of bucks and dozens of comments. And I guess that's not secret, but for every startup, especially for every startup founder, any user feedback is a gift. This is the gift that it's super available. And any gift, in most cases, you know, if the customer don't like the product, they just churn and you never will see them again. But the best case that you can have is when they saying why they churn, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty product bugs, lack of functionality, and as more such gifts you can take from your customers, as more feedback you can gather, as more inputs you can make. I really like all the YC statements. And I guess for every, especially technical, non-technical non founders, founder for any founder, all YC statements are super applicable. And the YC says that you need to find 10 to 100 customers that will love your product. And starting of this point, this is point of scaling. So as more feedback you are getting, as more feedback you are implementing and allowing those customers to track how you can hear them, how you can implement their feedback. So this is like continuous work that you can do with your audience, how to make people love your product. Get their feedback. 
work on their feedback, make the implementation that will include their feedback and will be even better than they expect. Do this a couple of times. So they will see that they are participating in their actual development itself. You can reward them. You can say a lot of thank you for them. You can issue some Amazon gift cards, whatever. Just try to engage with them as much as you can. And once you have these actions repeatable, you can build the cohort of customers who love your product. And based on their testimonials, you can got you can get to another thousand and then to another couple of thousand customers. If we're talking about YC, and are you part of YC, or mm-hmm. do you just just take their kind of inspiration from? Mm-hmm. Uh, we applied twice to YC. Didn't get to interview, unfortunately, or fortunately, nobody knows. But I've been to YC startup school, and at least everyone can do this. You can go to YC. They have open curriculum for YC startup school. Mm-hmm. Please apply. Please. And please go through their startup school. It's kind of four, six weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Every week they have like four or five videos with some articles. Everything is super useful. And at least it will allow you to avoid dozens of mistakes right away. So, yeah, they are doing great work. And the best thing I allow about, about this YC, since I, I was never part of YC batch, just at up school, but still the thing that I really like about them is how much contribution they do to the community. All the, when, when you will raise your first money for the startup, you will use, in most cases, the YC legal templates for safe agreements. You will use a lot of their knowledge base about valuation, cut tables. They do a lot of investments into the community. And myself as a founder, I'm really thankful to RC team for making this possible for other, for, for the, from the community, from the side of the community. Nice. I, I think w- one more interesting quote I, I, I remember from Michael is, uh, is about like your MVP. And mm-hmm. he was describing that a lot of times founders have problem with releasing something small and basic because they're like, well, who would be using this product? Like, it's not ideal, right? It's not like if you look at all of yeah. those beautiful things that are there, like Stripe and everything. Like he gave a bunch of examples, like Twitch, which was just in TV, right? He gave a bunch of examples that the products you see now are very different from what they were when they, when they were in the beginning. And that the whole fact of you being able to deliver on the feedback of users in the beginning is what makes it special, what makes it different from those giants that are currently already built because you can actually solve problems with those users because you're listening to them. Yeah, exactly. One thing I'm curious you've mentioned is about product market fit. So I know you went through the pre-seed stage. You're currently actively working on your seed round. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to product market fit, it, it's, it's supposed to be a very objective term. <laughs> But in the, mm-hmm. in, in the startup stage, it becomes more and more subjective. People kind of have their own definitions of, of what product market fit is for them. Mm-hmm. Could, you, could you speak a bit more about what is your opinion of when you can say, I've got, I've got product market fit and what are the, what's the process of, of getting close to that, of working towards mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so about the product market fit is like kind of the fish that every fisher is trying to catch. And it's pretty tricky. There are, there are like multiple criteria 
that you can follow to find the product market fit. For myself, I'll stick to two criteria. First one, it's external criteria. It means how, like, how much customers you are getting that came to you organically. It means that people speak about your product. It means that people learn about your product without you, right? And it's it means that people uh, come to your product without you and they're able to log in, create their account and start using it without you. So first, it's external criteria. Second is how sticky your product is and how much people are actually staying with your product. There are a lot of phantom pains that a lot of companies are trying to solve that are pains, actually, but they are not significant enough to make people live with your product. And it means that you can have more or less okay customer acquisition, but your lifetime value will never arrive for you. It means that, yeah, you can scale, but you can't live much. So uh, you are very dependent on paid channels. When you have strong organic channels, uh, the point number one, external one, your customer acquisition is much lower, like three, four times lower than paid channels. It means that your unique economics is already like improved. When your product is sticky and uh, when customers are living with your product, staying with your product, it means that your lifetime is longer, right? And as we know, a higher ratio between customer acquisition and lifetime value is the better unique and economic is, right? So, so those, I guess, would be the best product explanation. When, yeah, about the, giving some data, when your organics, organic customers are higher, higher amount of, of your paid customers. So right now with Worky, we did like a really good job. And right now in March, talking about our data in March, 40% of our customers joined us organically from referrals, from their friends, from our uh, content, from our YouTube, from our old knowledges, from podcasts as well. 40% of our customers joined us organically. That's, that's huge for us because like in... October, it was 10%. So we mm. grew here pretty much. And I'm pushing to make it at least 60, 70% of our customers coming to work organically. Mm. So that's going to be huge because organic customers are having three times higher activation and retention rates. They are they educated. Same with retention and same with lifetime value. So right now, we have solid cohort of customers who are using Worky on daily basis. So that's great proof of validation for us. At the same time, yeah, we will see how it goes when we will launch, I guess, relaunch, because before we had actually the paid, paid model, but it wasn't super successful. That's why we converted to freemium with the idea to relaunch the paid product again. So this is what we're going to make in upcoming months. So, yeah, so for the second criteria, retention and cohorts, it's about data. So after some point of time, great thing about having your first customers is about allowing you to improve your product and make sure all bugs are fixed, all that stuff. However, after some point of time, when you have like a couple of hundreds of your customers, you start taking decisions mostly on data as well. So it's 
their feedback plus data to show you the like the solution for your next uh, product release. So yeah, right now, based on data, what we see, we have certain amount of our customers. We have a high activation rate, and right now our activation rate reached almost twenty five percent in March. That is pretty significant number. And for us, comparing to previous periods, and right now we just making sure that people, all active people will actively use our paid plans as well, because at the end of the day, it's about business and it's about showing traction that will allow us to grow as well. Yeah, it makes sense. One thing, Ihar, you mentioned, and I want to elaborate on this a little bit, because mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be super valuable to SaaS insiders, about mm-hmm. organic users. Yeah, uh, You've mentioned that organic users have much higher conversion rate and mm-hmm. retention because they're educated and they're making those decisions themselves, not by you kind of yeah. pulling them with ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, what do you think you've done to change that from 10% to now 40%? And what do you think are the initiatives that you'll be doing that'll take it to 60 or 70, which is your goal? What 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 are the strategies? I, I'm not so much focused on like, you know, doing some gimmicks or some small tactics, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the overall strategy. What is like the, the, the whole idea of how do you make like a product organically vis- visible and attractive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. So first one, first is your customer satisfaction. Because half of our organic users are coming to work from referrals. It means that our customers are happy enough to suggest working to their friends and family and colleagues, whatever. So yeah, we did a couple of major product updates that were highly requested by our customers that allow them to become more active, that allow them to share work with their like network. So first, it's understanding that you can deliver things that are really usable and really kind of enjoyable by your customers. Secondly, it's about having all the different channels that will allow other people to speak about your product. So we have strong content team. We do a lot of content. And the main thing is that our content is really useful. So we inviting different experts to become experts for our work interview. So they can share their like their insights and tips how to build business, how to manage business. We do a lot of researches and those researches are based for us to, to bring value to our customers. We do YouTube content, we do podcasts as well, we do other reviews that are focused on our customers. So with the content marketing, with organic marketing, for a lot of people, it's really hard thing for one single reason. You need to be really passionate about those things because those things will pay out you not tomorrow, but in three, six months. So everything you do today, all articles that we are writing today will pay out in half of a year. And it's hard to understand for a lot of customers because a lot of people and a lot of founders, we want we need to validate this today, let's do today, we see results today. And we'll take decisions today. With their content marketing, with organic channels, it's different. And you need to be, to be really passionate about them. So yeah, it's about investing in the future. And when you invest in the future, you want, if you are ready to wait for those results, probably you will invest in them as the best of your knowledge and the best of your skills to make sure they really pay out in the future. You'll really have the ROI. That is why yeah, organic channels are pretty tricky 
But when you are passionate enough and when you are able and willing to invest enough, they will pay out enough. Well, I guess to your point, right? When you speak about return on investment, when it's a paid channel, like you can see the number in your like ads management dashboard. It says you what's mm -hmm. the ROI, right? When it comes yeah. to organic, it's it's not as clear. For example, when I'm writing this article, like how much money it generated, like you don't know yet. And it's a really long term. Like <laughs> no. you can you can track that, but over the long period of time, it's going to yeah. be pretty complicated. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that right now, when we got our previous month's results, we can compare like costs that we have, acquisition costs that we have in paid channels and in the organic channels. And right now, our organic channels, our organic customer costs us three times less than our paid customer. So three times. It's a significant number when you're talking about like thousands of users. So it's significant. Yeah, really the cost in this customer acquisition cost parameter is cost that you gain through previous periods. So in most cases, from what I know, we are not counting this that much at the moment, but I know that all the content jobs should include, customer acquisition should also include the work of content management, manager team, all the like developers, like all costs. We are not counting that much yet. Hopefully, we'll be at that position in a couple of years when we will like have clear understanding and a higher scale. But as of now, yes, this is what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I assume you would need to have both paid and organic, especially when you're mm -hmm. working with investors as well. Because mm -hmm. if, if they ask you, what's your customer acquisition cost? And you're like, well, we'll know in six months because we just started organic marketing. Right? It'll be like, mm -hmm. well, let's talk in six months then, right? But if you have yeah. a paid channel, you can see like for paid, our CAC, our lifetime is this. Mm -hmm. So this we can work with. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so you're always counting as of today because you, for example, in March, you're investing your team, you're investing your money into ads, into the work that you are doing in March. And as in, at the end of the day, you're having March results. And yeah, everything that will pay out uh, to you in the future or, or will not, will be counted in the future, not, in, not today. Got it, got it. One thing, one thing you mentioned off the air is about building the product that people want. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times I find that, I find people get stuck with their own ideas in their own head about this is how the mm -hmm. product should look like. And when they hear some external feedback and they're like, no, I know my problem much better. Did, did you have experience maybe yourself or other founders that you know that almost like founder with his own ideas getting in the way of what the product should be? And how do you overcome that? How do you become self-aware of maybe, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to gather more feedback from other, other, other parties? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. So about this one, we never stop talking to our customers. Just for understanding, today it's Monday, April 17th. Today I have three customers onboarding that I will run by myself. They are already scheduled by our customers. And today uh, I, I will learn from three my users. Just today, and I have this on daily basis. And the results of my calls today would be mirrored in our roadmap. And hopefully, if we'll meet with you in three, six months, I'll be happy to share with you, hopefully, that our organic is not 40, but already 60%. All right. 
I love it. How do you how do you balance that? I'm wondering. As a founder, you probably have quite a lot of things to do during your work and having like three onboarding calls with clients. Maybe not every day, but still, it's 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 still a lot mm-hmm. of your time invested. Like, how do you look at that in terms of your, let's say, time balance sheet in a way? Because you yeah. also have 24 hours, just like I do. Unless you unless it's something different, then let's talk. <laughs> but no, I'm curious uh, about like what's the balance? Yeah, to be honest, it's pretty easy. You need just to stick with your mindset that you are working 15, 16 hours per day. And after that, you're good. All right. All right. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Sasan Sardis, you got it. Just 60, 15 to 16 hours per day. That is good. Yeah, um, kind of. There are things that you can't escape. And yeah, like I realized this when I was in Poland last month. I'm living here in the US or before before going to Poland and I noticed that I'm starting my day from calls at 7 a.m. I'm working with European team until noon. After that I have break and after that I'm switching to US work day. So kind of two work days and I'm finishing finishing my last emails and, and maybe some work at 9 10 p.m. and yeah those are I guess I, I I can kind of resonate with that because my team also in Europe, some of them in Ukraine, and it's almost like you're working the second half of the European shift, then the whole US shift, and then if you wait long enough, maybe till till like midnight, you can start the Ukrainian shift again if you want. To. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's kind of, easy. So it's yeah, yes. it's, well, I mean, but how do you how do you sustain that? It's it's not your first year in this business. Like, are you, are you mm-hmm. looking to delegate some of those tasks along the way? Because I mean, working mm-hmm. 16 hours is good, but maybe during 10 year period, I mean, it, it can be pretty damaging to like to your whole mm-hmm. body. Not, not only to uh, you know, entrepreneurship, it's never a work. It's just lifestyle. Mm. So it's easier part of your, of you, easier not. Kind of, I, I can't say that this is something. Yeah, definitely. I feel that I'll need some like one week vacation after product release that we are right now working on. So definitely let take this. I'm also human and myself, I'm trying to do as much rest as I can during the weekend, like traveling, walking around, try to escape laptop or whatever. So, but yeah, I guess it's about the lifestyle, about my delegation of work, all that things. I do delegation via growing our team members for them to manage other team members and to build the files somehow. But you, uh, like the the thing is that really keeps me up to is that my working day to day is super different from what it was one year ago, because challenges are different, team composition is different, my work routine is different. Yeah, like you growing your business, you have new challenges, you have new customers, you have uh, new uh, updates, you have new product, you have new marketing channels. And it's, it's, I can't say that it feels for me that I changing my work every year, but it's significantly changed every year, maybe every three months, I guess, even. So yeah, it, for, for me, I'm always doing something new for some part. Definitely, there are things that are staying with me, especially product. I I feel right now that I'm capable to invest a bit less to the product itself that it was in the beginning. Right now, we're growing our team that also invest their skills. And it's always very important for you. Like, 
there is kind of VC term. First, until first build product, show that it works, then hire executive team who will scale. So after I understand that right now, I'm not a professional chief marketing officer. I'm not professional chief executive officer, but I'm just the guy who, who will do everything needed to be, to do not block the work at least. So I'll teach, I'll speak with other founders. I'll speak with our investors. So I'm really happy that we have great investors right now joined us and I able to learn from them as well. So at least I'll do everything needed for me, like to grow faster than the company too, and to hire other executives who can bring their knowledge. So for me, again, the, the challenge that we spoke in the beginning, one year ago, I was not thinking about how to hire a C management right now I do. So it's a different challenge and hopefully a great team members will join us in a couple of months and I will be able to learn from them as well, to work with experienced people. And it will be another type of joy for me. So, you know, it's never ends. You mm-hmm. always like in the funnel, the, the circle is changing for you. I, I, I get it. Founders are ultimate generalists. If, as a founder, you can do marketing, sales, team building, sometimes even coding if you're technical or you'll, you'll find some other things. But you basically can do almost like the whole, the whole Rolodex of things, right? And as you, as you go, you start delegating part by part, but only when you know that it can run without you, basically. One quick question. What is your take on finding the good people to work with? Let's say, mm-hmm. what are the things you would value in your future team members, partners, teams that you're going to build? What are the things that you, you, you would be looking for when hiring? Mm-hmm. Yes, so right now we are already 13 in a team, 13 team members, and we have team members in four different continents. And I guess the only one thing that combines, that, that is like the same for everyone, is kind of the vibe, like the, the mood. I guess everyone in our team um, having more or less the same whoop, mood, sorry. And it, it means that everyone is more or less on the same wave. So yeah, it's about, it's about finding sincere people that we can trust. And it's about finding people who are capable to say, I don't know this, but I'll learn confident, sincere people, I guess. It's the main thing because you can always grow your technical skills, your hard skills. But for soft skills, it's those are skills that are with you from kind of childhood that you can improve, that you can change, but at least you have a kind of base. So we are looking for, I guess, mostly technical skills are crucial, but we have this use case with all team members who are with Worky. I met with them two years ago, one year, one year ago, half a year ago, and all of them were having the same mood and same relation to work, uh, approach to work, and different technical skills. And all of them grow technically for the last period of time. We are able to reward them by bonuses, by allowing them to have some dedicated special courses from Meta, from Coursera, whatever, to match them with other experts to learn from them, to also give them KPIs, give them idea where they are working on, on what they're working on, where we are going. So yeah, definitely we are doing a lot of inputs from our end to make people engaged. 
to make people, to allow people to allow, uh, to give people space to, to grow. So yeah, it's my personal task as well, just to make sure people have space to grow and they, and they will have space and we'll give them the space when they are able to do this. And these soft skills are based that allowing them to be beyond that wave. So yeah, it's not, not super clear answer. And I'm also in the process of finding better answers for myself as well. Because hiring and making sure right people are around you is crucial from the day one. So it's like continuous pro- uh, continuous process for me as well. But at least uh, this is rule and this is behavior that we keep noticing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think when you're speaking about this, it sounds like you're talking about core values, meaning being mm-hmm. passionate yeah. about this, being this, being that, some things that people have in common, their culture and the way they see things and the way they work. I, I think this is a really strong filter. I think this is a really great strong filter because you can give people skills, but you cannot teach them values, right? You, can, you cannot make people something that they are not. It's, um, it's much harder to understand, uh, much harder to repeat uh, here. But yeah, you know, after it's super, it's super hard on initial stages. But when you are growing with same similar people, you are creating natural filter. And in this natural filters, people without those values won't survive because they, because they will be different and it will be visible enough to notice that they are different from others. But here, the main thing is how to build your, I'm not sure where I, from where I remember this rule, but somewhere it says that you need to find your three, four employees and be super, super passionate about them because with them, you're creating these values. And when you have like four or five people who are with core values, and after they are helping you to do the interviews. They are helping you to manage other team members when you are not around, and they are creating these natural filters. And even if you are, if you missed this during the interview, you have probation period, and those natural filters will will, will work out. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's basically like like a core team, right? You find people you are working with, and then yeah. you create those values with them. Ihor, before we be wrapping out our wrapping up our episode, mm-hmm. if you were if Sasan Sarge would take only one core message from, from our episode, only one thing, they, they didn't hear anything but just take away this one one big idea. What Start. do you think that would be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I it's, a, it's about passion what you do. Because when you are passionate enough about what you do, is it is about your users, it is about your team members, it's about the product itself, it's about the acquisition itself. Just be passionate about what you do. Your idea, your startup should drive you somehow. You should find what drives you. Because when you will have this light in your eyes, your friends will see this, this, this fire, this light. Your team member will see this light. Your investors will see this light. Your users will see this light. And it will help you to do other things. But yeah, first of all, it's... Be be sincere, first of all, with yourself, that you are passionate about what you do. Everything else have to follow. Hopefully, we will follow. Got it. Okay. Okay. That's that's powerful. That's about having your own mission, right? And uh, having your goals. 
what would be the best way to connect with you? Maybe SaaS insiders, mm -hmm. founders who want to seek some guidance, maybe add value, or maybe some investors who would be interested in having more conversations yeah. about Worky. We'll be putting those in the description, but I would I would like to know what's the best channels? Is it email, LinkedIn? Like what's what's the best way? The best channel that I'm using on daily basis is my.worky.net slash IHOR. This is my personal website with Borky. There are all my social media channels that I use. Yeah. And there is my email and there is ability to book me for time slot for any matters. So I'm using my Worky for all my conversations and all my booking systems. So yeah, it's worky.net slash IHOR is my personal domain name and yeah you are you are welcome to also check this out hopefully to figure out the value and also try to give it a chance i was super surprised Canly was never our competitor because we have like different model and different mindset and different audience but during last week i i i personally got three messages from three random users that they switched to work from Canly and giving us some feedback Yes. Yeah, so just, uh, just, to, just, just, I guess, just to share some experience that I have. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will be putting this link in the description. So that's insider. So mm -hmm. you can just click on it. Igor, what would be the final thoughts? What would be the final accord, a, a final note you want to, do you want to finish on? Mm -hmm. I, I guess maybe just to repeat slightly what you said, it's about the mission and about the journey. So find the things that you passion and make them as you like in the journey you have. So uh, yeah, it's, it's about making people, make something that people want. And it's kind of things that you should be passionate about. Ihor Bauman, everyone. Ihor, thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you so much for having me. First, make sure to connect with Ihor on his personal website. Make sure to check out Worky and we will see you in the next episodes.